welcome to My Bloody Horrorcast. Hey, this is Steph. This is Carrie. And we are uh, episode four. Episode four. We've made it this far, Steph. I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty proud of us. Yeah, me too. And um, we saw some good stuff this week. This is uh, kind of our new movie episode, or mm-hmm. new, new-ish. We'll say that. Also, it's kind of rare these days, just with our schedules, that we've actually seen a bunch of the same things. Another, I'm double impressed that we were able to do that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we have a few things to talk about. One, um, we both didn't get to see, but we can talk about that next time. It's a new kind of, uh, it's been talked about as sort of the new wonder kind indie horror film, The Void. Um, I did not get to see it, but no. I, I will be watching it this week. And we'll also talk about Raw. We'll talk about Get Out, and we'll talk about Santa Clarita Diet. So some good stuff there. Um, first, though, I guess we should talk about some of the things uh, that we've seen lately that are maybe some old classics. What about you? Oh, um, I don't really have any classics. The only somewhat <laughs> related thing I've been watching was um, I finally watched the rest of Preacher Season 1, and I love the Vertigo comic, like, I, I think it's the best. It's, like, fun and violent and crass and just excellent. And the show, I didn't really warm up to it that much, but um, it has all the components to be great. The actors are really good. I, I really like that they cast Ruth Nega as Tulip. She's the biggest improvement they made. Um, Do you but, think that for someone like myself who has not read the comic, that I need to read the comic before I see the, the uh, show? No. Actually, the first series didn't even really feel that much like the comic to me until maybe the last episode or so. Also, something uh, major happens in the final episode where I'm just like, well, that just makes all of these subplots totally useless, and I feel like <laughs> I watched hours of TV for nothing. But, um, you okay. know, I'm compelled enough to stick with season two. Um, I think it could be good. It looks. It, I still think it's promising. Okay. How about uh, you? Well, I you know I was so busy trying to catch up on new stuff that I didn't see a lot of older stuff. Um, but I did see what I did see was uh, wow, it's it's something. It's uh, Burial Ground. Um, it's uh, directed by Andrea Bianchi, uh, horror director, Italian horror director from the the '70s, uh, contemporary of Joe Diamato's oh. um, of Anthrophagus and um, considered. I think Joe's probably considered one of the goriest of the gore directors of all time i would say nice i still haven't seen beyond the darkness which is something that i think we should watch later on this year it's supposed to be one of the most notorious horror films ever made let's do it it has passed it has been on my radar but i've never actually watched it so burial ground a very night of the living deadish a bunch of people get trapped in a house to just kind of encapsulate the plot and the house is surrounded by the living dead the zombies and they have to try to survive it's a, a plot is, is... When did this movie come out? Uh, 81, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, a plot is as old as, old as time. Um, but uh, it is... Wow, it's gory. At first, I kind of wondered where it was going. It's also called The Knights of Terror, by the way. The subtitles. Um, you know, at first, I kind of wondered where it was going. It was sort of playing The Night of the Living Dead, you know, kind of thing on its sleeve. And then it sort sort uh, starts to get weird. It gets really, really funky. There's a bizarre sort of um, incest subplot between this mom and her son that gets really creepy. Um, and there is a notorious scene that I don't know if I want to really say because I feel like if you haven't seen Burial Ground, you should go in and see it. But there is a really shocking scene involving those two 
that you you won't necessarily see coming. But wow! So yeah, there are some bizarre moments of gore. There's some really good gore. I mean, I will say that if you you know if you're a gore hound, this is a, a great flick to watch. I feel like it's a kind of a forgotten flick. You don't hear Burial Ground talked about. I've heard of it before, but I've not whole, seen it. A so. whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, it's uh, wow, it's crazy. And the son is played by, I guess the son is supposed to be early teens and played by a man in his 30s at the time. <laughs> a very short, kind of diminutive man. Oh, it's like uh, Steve McQueen and is it The Blob? Where he's like supposed to be a high school student. Basically, right. Like, nice try. <laughs> right. This guy's uh, Peter Bark, I think, is the name of the actor um, who plays the son of this crazy, insane mother. And uh, so there's some really, just like I said, lots of really just bizarre stuff going on. Um, again, if you're an Italian gore hound, uh, you should check out Barrow Ground. Um, once again, per usual, streaming on Shudder. So um, uh, maybe someday Shudder will will see us and, and be happy that we're talking about them. But at, again, it just is. Um, so so yeah, Barrow Ground. Cool. Well, I don't have anything else. So keep firing off the things you've seen. <laughs> no, that's literally it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but you know, again, I I felt that like this month was th- there's been so much good stuff uh, coming out on the indie uh, side of things. Um, and again, I am, I feel like one of the last people in the world to see Get Out and I finally saw it. I'm so excited that you finally saw it. And every single friend of mine, a lot of our horror contemporaries, film contemporaries, um, people that are going to be guests on the show at some point, everybody has liked it. Everybody across the board. I haven't heard a single negative th- thing about the movie. Well, I know we're um, going to get into it in a minute. Whoa! <laughs> but between um, Get Out and Raw, for totally different reasons, I think the bar is set really, really high for 2017 horror. Absolutely. With, I mean, it started out with a bang. I also saw Split, but I started late and I fell asleep in the middle of it. I'm sad to say it's not a knock at the movie necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to talk about Split with you in the future. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. Okay. So let's wait to split to talk about Split for another time because I do want to have a conversation. I need to watch that middle 20 minutes. Um, I can tell you already, though, I mean, The Visit is by far my favorite Shyamalan film still the last decade oh okay the last decade gotcha um so where do you want to start (laughs) um sorry i was blinking i'm like can i fit a happening joke in here but i can't so (laughs) shouldn't we always be able to fit a happening joke in there um Um, let's start with get out because i feel like raw and santa clarita diet though they're totally different they've got a little a little more tie-in i guess i think so yeah um so i saw get out Opening week. Yeah, you saw it early on. And I loved it. Um, I'm really excited that, is it Monkey Paw Productions that Jordan Peele? I believe that's right. Has? Yes. Well, I was yes, listening yes, yes. to an interview with him on the Tiger Belly podcast where he was mm-hmm. talking about how he's, um, his goal is to keep making, I don't know if it's like horror movies specifically, but movies with his production company that cast people of color. Right. And I'm just really excited. I I think he's great. I love that he went for like a legit horror movie too. Not like a spoofy funny horror movie. I think this movie's all about subverting expectations, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole one of the whole purposes I think of this or the purpose of this movie is to subvert expectations and um whether it's Classic horror cliches are subverting, uh, racial cliches, um, uh, story, uh, just everything. 
Um, I think that uh, that Get Out does a great job of, of doing that. Um, oh, I think, do we also want to say we're going full spoilers on this? Yeah, I know you talked. About, should we go? For, I mean, everyone should have seen it by now, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a I, film yeah. fan, like people who are probably listening to this, I would think have seen it, right? All right. All half dozen of our friends listening, we're going full spoiler. That's right. That's right. Our, our, yeah, out to the world. Um, so real quick, I think Daniel Kaluuya, or Kaluuya is fantastic. Oh, Just yeah. to start. I mean, he... He does a great job of providing the anchor for the mm-hmm. film, I think. Um, but I think that's also because you can't. I mean, here's the thing: you can't have great actors, or you, you can have you can't have great performances without great script. You can have great actors; doesn't mean it's going to translate to a great performance. The script is fantastic. It's lean. Um, it, it just everything works. Uh, yeah, every detail planted at the beginning, like you leave the movie and you're playing them back in your mind and you're just like, oh my God, this and this and this. Yes, yes. All those little things, the deer in the beginning. Uh, so many things comes back to you. You feel like there was no wasted moment in the mm-hmm. screenplay, no wasted line of dialogue. Uh, I, I can't I can't say that that's the case most of the films I see and probably, I'm, I'm sure you probably agree. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the deer scene in the beginning? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so they're driving to Rose's parents' place, or she's mm-hmm. driving because she's the one with the license, which makes yep. them feel even more isolated and stuck in yes. that suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hit a deer, and there's this whole scene where it seems like she's defending him to the cop. Like, why do you need to see his ID? He wasn't driving. But then you get out of there, and you start thinking about it, and it's like, wait a minute. She wouldn't want a cop to take, like, note of them being together, like, driving somewhere because he's being kidnapped and sold into a a form of slavery. Yes, yes. But but then I was thinking, wait a minute, what if the cop is in on this too and has, like, witnessed this whole thing because it's, like, a small town? Because the scope of this conspiracy cult, I think it's meant to be, like, kind of global. I think so, and no, I, I I've been I've been kind of playing that scene over as well. It's a, it is truly a, a, a pivotal scene in the film when you go back and look at, it. and uh, it made me think about that too. Um, why wouldn't the cop be involved? Why wouldn't this be just an act that they played over and over and over and over mm-hmm. time time immemorial? You know. Well, when it gets to the um, that scene at the party where they're basically auctioning off the bingo scene was so creepy. <laughs> it's no, so and, creepy. And Bradley Whit. First of all, I think Bradley Whitford. And I've always said this. I'll say it again, and, and, I'll, and I'll say it now. I think he is a supremely underrated actor he, because, because he always plays the asshole. Always. But mm-hmm. Bradley Whitford is great, and he's creepy. And, he's, his, and the layers that he reveals in this film are so... From the beginning, it, just, he, he, it almost shivers down your spine how, how creepy and awkward he is. Oh, he's smarmy as heck, too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, we're, they're like auctioning off Chris like with the picture mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. Basically like a slave market auction it is yeah um i was just thinking to myself at first i'm just like man why does an asian guy have to be here but then i'm like wait a minute if this is like rich crazy cult people of course there's like a wealthy asian businessman there right there should have been a couple (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it, it cuts across so that really planted in my mind that this was like kind of a massive like old money organization. It is, I you know I, I mean, you know I'm sure it's parallel you know it's paralleling the the you know, Illuminati, the Freemasons, what mm-hmm. have you. In any any elite old school um, organization, um, 
Allison Williams was was really good as Rose. Uh, what did you think about Rose? Because when we saw this in the theater, there was a woman seated behind us who knew from like her first appearance that she was up to no good. Really? I have no idea how. I here's the thing. I was I, I believed her. I believed her <laughs> up until the scene where he sees that door. Now, why is that door always open? Oh, I was going to bring that up too. We're jumping all over the place. But we yeah, are. I we feel are. like he was meant to discover this photographic box of victims. Do you think that um okay, who who is uh okay. Do you think that Georgina left that door open for him, though? Oh, you think it might have been left open? Well, by... I just, I just wonder why that door. We, it's closed, and then for some reason it's open. And I was like, why is that door open? Because a couple times he looked over at that door and he didn't go to it. I had a couple thoughts. I wasn't sure if it was maybe because she wanted him to know like everything that was going on. I was thinking Rose, or if. They're just so near the end of like, well, it's almost basement time. He might as like, we don't care if he knows what's coming or if it's one of those things. Maybe. Yeah. I I couldn't quite figure that out too. I mean, Rose has done this a million times. So her, you know, she's an actor. She's an actress in this role that she's playing for the family. (laughs) So uh, is, is that what happens every time they leave the door open? So it will inspire fear and attempt at flight. Because is that part of the chase for them, you know? Well, is that they know part of he's the... not running anywhere. He doesn't have a car. No. But it's like, maybe they need to set up a scenario where they can then entrap him. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's how it starts. Maybe every time it's leading, like, you know, it's it's putting the bird seed on the trail and, and leading him, you know, to something. I don't know. I can't even imagine how his brain was, like, thinking at that moment either. There are just so many layers of lies where it's like, ah, I'm 100% not the first black dude she's dated. Right. <laughs> and I'm um, and I'm stuck here with a bunch of crazy people. And all yeah. these, like, weird things I've noticed are definitely adding up to something huge. Yes, yes. Um, oh, and then I, I thought... I thought the, the great scene where uh, the hypnoti- hypnotism scene uh, with Catherine Keener, who was also... Great and creepy and just from the beginning, you don't trust her for a second. No, she's like a predatory cat. Yes, yes. And what what did they call that, though, when he was actually in... The sunken place. The sunken place. I totally wanted to talk about that with Yes, you. the sunken place. Uh, what, you know, what a great scene. What a great way to envision that. Kind of going a little old school, actually, with him kind of flailing around in the in the, the space, the kind of this kind of otherworldly space. I thought that was really cool. Oh, totally voiceless, totally helpless. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it almost felt very Twilight Zone-ish. The whole thing feels Twilight Zone-ish, but that scene in particular kind of felt like that to me. Well, I'd already suspected that it was something kind of along the lines of, like, Stepford Wives slash, you know, Rosemary's Baby cult. Sure, but sure. I did not know it was going to go that trippy. Well, you know, when you see, when people start sizing Chris up at the party, they're like, and that woman walks up to him and she's like, oh, yeah, good. You know, she's putting his hand on his oh, shoulder. Oh, that you, whole party was You so know awful. that they're buttering up for something. I mean, you you do get that sense, but you're not quite sure what still. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, and I didn't think it would be literally a modern day slave auction. I did, I did not quite see that coming, but you get the sense that, um, yeah, you just, you, you have a bad feeling the whole time. It's one of the great things about this movie. I think one of the great things about horror and thriller cinema is when you can maintain a sense of dread mm-hmm. throughout, 
Um, even int- even lace it with some comedy here and there because I mean let's face that's Jordan Peele's bread and butter is comedy. He does it very well. He spaces the comedy out at perfect intervals. Well, I was thinking how um, Rod, like the best friend, that character in a horror movie would be expendable and like kind of just there for humor, and he's yes. one of the highlights of Get Out. Well, he is, and Rod. Um, I mean, he's goofy. He's silly. Mm-hmm. He's 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 definitely the counterpoint to to Chris's very serious character. But he's also heroic. <laughs> well, he is. I think one of one of the interesting choices Jordan Peele makes is in the, in the finale of the film. Oh, when that's the like cop, one of the best parts. When the cop car drives in, what I thought at first is we're going to see the cop from the beginning is going to be the cop that comes to the house. Understandably, because we think that they're all in on this this, mm-hmm. this big conspiracy. I figured the cop, cop was going to come in. He would attack Chris or be this big fight, and then maybe Rod or someone would come to his rescue. What a huge wave of relief when Rod gets out of that car. <laughs> right, because you also think that if the cop did get there before Rod, Chris is already wounded. I mean, he's badly wounded. He's He's gone through some shit at that point, and, you know, would he be able to survive that? But I also like that that's what we expected. Again, this mm-hmm. movie is all about subverting those expectations. We, th- we think there's going to be a showdown with the cop. Jordan Peele doesn't make it that easy. That, that's the easy way out. The showdown between the white cop and the and the African American guy, but they don't. He doesn't do that, mm-hmm. and I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I guess that is another important thing. Like the whole deer cop scene at the beginning, it kind of sets you up for that sort of sense of dread that we should have anyway. Whenever we see a cop car pull into the sure, scene. <laughs> sure. You know, um, and I'll do a quick aside. I know this movie is obviously it's it's about the African American experience, and, and you know Jordan Peele is, is dating a woman of a different race, <laughs> and I'm sure um, he's probably felt something similar to. I'm sure this movie comes from feelings of uh, experiences that maybe he's had. It's a, it's obviously a very heightened and dramatized version of that, but I, I imagine he's had feelings of that at some point, right? Um, Obviously, as a white guy, I have a very different, you know, experience, light world experience. But I have a, I got a little taste of how someone might feel like that when I moved to Hawaii. Mm. Eighth and ninth grade, I lived in Hawaii. I'd moved from North Carolina, and I had always been living in places where I was the majority, you know. Um, and all of a sudden, I moved to a place where I am the extreme minority, far more than. You would have, uh, you know, even as a black person in Georgia, let's say, for example. Um, so I'm in a school where I, I know all the white people because there are only a few of us, you know, and everyone else is, uh, you know, it's, you know, a lot of Japanese American, Filipino, Samoan. And um, for the first time in my life, I had moments where I was surrounded by people who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. And I think that anyone who has that experience at all in their life, and I mean, obviously, as a white man, it's, I understand that that's not the same. I know that. But... I, I got a sense that anyone could feel that if they were in an environment where there's no one else of their color or of their ethnicity or their race around. Well, especially being in this wealthy, isolated suburb. Right. Like, you're about as isolated with a really homogenized group as possible. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm I'm th- Asian, so I've, I don't... I also don't think... I have the same prejudices working against my minority, no. like not even a little bit. But yeah, I also grew up like in an all white community and there's definitely like a weirdness. I think you I think you need to see yourself represented somewhere in that community to feel comfortable there. Sure. We, we kind of naturally re- gravitate towards you know, people who look like us or similar to us when you're confronted with a place where you're the only person, you know, or it's, just to feel like a point of possibility. Sure. Yeah. For yourself. But having that perspective is just kind of interesting. I think if, if everyone in life went through that perspective, maybe people would be more understanding of, 
other races and other um, just oh, people in general. Totally. Well, I think anyway, that's the great aside. thing about movies. No, no, movies are meant to make us feel like we can relate to situations we can't relate to. In sure, real life. sure. Um, I also thought it was great that they made him a photographer. Like, that was so smart. Like, not just to have, like, the flash snap-out-of-hypno reveal, but also because he's kind of in this observational outsider standpoint, Mm -hmm. um, just looking at this. The whole whole time, he's just observing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that was great. And maybe that's a reason he gets to escape, because he's resourceful and he's been watching a bunch of weird things go down. Right. Although I was thinking about um, the opening scene where the first... Is it Andre? Who gets taken at the beginning yeah, by I, uh, Rose's brother, who, FYI, cr- most overtly creepy character in that family. Yes, yes. Also, I can figure out that actor's... Was it supposed to be, like, kind of a Bostonian accent? I wasn't really sure what was going on with that. I didn't quite understand what that was. Yeah, it's some bizarre hybrid of... Well, it was effective. I found him... Chilling and distasteful. (laughs) Oh, yes. So so good job to that actor. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess his method is just literally like a snatch and grab sort of kidnapping. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, no, I agree. Um, So, yeah, just overall, I mean, it's one of those films where the directing, the writing, you feel... I feel like there's certain movies, and I've probably said this before about here and there, you'll hear it, but movies where you feel like the director... Uh, got got across everything you want to get across. Mm-hmm. Every every aspect of the film feels like it serves the director's vision. In this case, writer director Jordan Peele, and it's always satisfying as a film goer, the film lover, to see a film like that where you feel like they truly got the green light from the studio to realize their vision mm-hmm. completely. And I feel like Get Out is that is one of those. Films. And now I kind of feel like he's going to have the freedom to make whatever he wants next. He will. I think that's. I think the challenging thing for Jordan Peele is that how do you follow up? The sophomore jinx is a real thing. It's a real thing. Can I feel you like can he's you follow up? Ideas. Get out. I'd like to see I'm excited. it. Excited, yeah. I'd like to see it. I mean, I, you know, I was. Uh, we've been fans of Kim Peele, obviously for uh, for years. Oh now. yeah, I've loved him since Mad TV. <laughs> oh yeah, back in Mad TV, absolutely. So you know that that's going to be that's going to be interesting too. Yeah. Um, well, I'm really happy you got to see it. Yes, it's it's already one of my tops of the year. I have a feeling, Steph, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> prognosticating here, that when we do our uh, horror Oscars, our 2017 horror Oscars, I have a feeling Get Out can, could return in some form or fashion. Oh, I'd be surprised if something topped it. Yeah. Um, but moving on to another uh, 2017 movie we recently saw. Another first-time director. Yes. Two two first-time directors. Um, so it was Raw. Ooh, do you want to attempt her name? Uh, Julie uh, Decorno. French and lovely. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. She uh, she's so cool, by the way. Oh, I haven't read any interviews. Or she's anything just super with her. cool. You get, you get the. I mean, she talked about the process of getting the actors together and sort of creating this family. Of, of the with the actors and so what she did is she had them all sit down together and watch horror movies and drink beer and I can't think of a better way to bond with people just in general in life <laughs> uh, we we've we've been able thankfully to uh, to have some uh, some movie nights we've done our our, uh, our horror movie club mm-hmm. uh, nights and uh, w- yeah what a better way to get your your film crew your actors together um, on the same page by um... and to get them all comfortable because I yep. Garant's 
Marillier, who plays Justine, the the protagonist mm-hmm. of sorts. Um, her performance is just so brave. Like her going from kind of this vulnerable, sort of innocent student to uh, predatory. Mm-hmm. I just think to give a performance like that, she must have been extremely comfortable with the director. Yes, and and uh, Julian said that. Um... She wanted to make sure that the actors were uncomfortable, but at the same time to, to draw that line between going too far. But she definitely put them in situations to uh, to elicit, um, you know, pretty strong emotion from them. Um, I thought that Ella Rumpf as uh, Alexia, as Alexia the sister, uh, was also really great. And also, whoever plays Adrian, Justine's roommate best roommate ever <laughs> he did not deserve what was coming to him <laughs> Raba Knight Ophela um, it's his name young guy 24 year old actor um, also French as well yeah I mean um, it's coming of age story it's a horror film um, you know if anyone's ever gone off to college I went to college right here in Athens Georgia and I had, I had lived here before that but still when you go when you go to college even if it's in the same town you, you're still going into a different world and so anyone who's ever <laughs> experienced that and most of us have you know you're you're gonna you'll think about your own experiences that first year of college you know I okay I was actually gonna ask you about this for me this college was not based in my reality <laughs> I've sure never been there, but, you know. Yeah. I did not go to a college where I would have been in any hazing situation. And the hazing, like, I mean, you're at a vet school. You're eating raw rabbit kidneys and getting doused in blood. And, and Some carry the references time, there. Oh, absolutely. When they, Carrie, do the, when they do the photo shoot right Carrie there. times an entire class. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's... um. No, I was never that cool uh, to to be even have the opportunity to go through hazing rituals like that. <laughs> so that's you know, so that's fine. We're you know? too uncool to have blood poured on no, us. No, I know, I know. Uh, Maybe but... that's cool in being that uncool. I don't know. We'll <laughs> but see. But then at night they have these like kind of dank basement dorm raves all the time. I mean, now that would have been kind of fun. I would have gotten nothing done. I actually still was terrible my first year of school, so my grades were were very poor. <laughs> but it would have been even worse had I had parties raves going on every night. Yeah. Can we talk about our expectations and then actual reactions to the film? Because sure. going in, um, we I heard guess, these harrowing tales of people at the screenings, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we'd heard that people had passed out at the Toronto screening, and they, they were throwing up. Yeah, they're getting sick. So the only French movies I'd seen recently that were horrifying are Inside and Martyrs. So I was kind of thinking something kind of along. I was thinking, Inside's pretty brutal. Yeah, exactly. I actually didn't think Raw was that gory. And it takes place at a vet school. Dogs are being dissected. Like, scenes like that are very upsetting to me. And there are same, three same. or four, like, what the fuck moments in Raw, I, I think. But it wasn't as gory as I thought it was going to be. What do you think? I, I completely agree. I mean, you and I have, I mean, admittedly... We are big time horror fans. We've seen a lot, you know. I, I we we've seen some pretty extreme stuff, right? So, I mean, I think that probably a lot of the people who who felt, you know, who were getting sick and were, you know, uh, you know, f- physically just terrorized by this film, you know, probably 
maybe they don't they don't have the horror um, experiences that we have. <laughs> maybe we're just jaded, disgusting people. <laughs> That's probably <Plus> true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, now what I will say is that I, I don't necessarily need a lot of gore for a film to be great, of course, but I can handle it. Oh, which isn't to say this film isn't totally effective. No, I th- I think what what's here's is great. They're like you said these what the fuck moments. They're perfect because mm-hmm. it, a, a movie doesn't have to be gory to get you, right? No. It just has to surprise you. It has to, again, just as we talked about, yeah, it has to subvert whatever expectation you have going into the particular scene. So the finger scene for is is probably my classic scene in that film as far as the that what the great. fuck moment. Um, yeah. Carrie and I saw this together at Cine in Athens and yes. there was a woman behind us who gasped out loud and it was awesome. That was perfect, yeah. <laughs> it was exactly what you wanted to have in, in from the audience during that, uh, during that moment. Yeah. Um, for me, the other scenes that just like made my skin crawl a little bit was when she's having that rash, that allergic reaction because I had a crazy rash breakout last year to That's like right. take bite. Yeah, I had to go to the ER and I carry on EpiPens now. But it was I had like it's a when crazy we still work together that happened. Yep. To that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, ooh, that looks horrible when they're peeling off her like rashy skin. That was a disgusting scene. The, I mean, and that's what earns the film of the it's you know, the the title of body horror. I mean, it, there's not I absolutely. mean that really in that scene and in the scene where she wakes up after that pivotal night, yes, yeah, and uh, that very that very heartbreaking moment. Um, oh, I know, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, body horror. Obviously, we're we're starting a new trend of it. This is you know, raw is kind of on the upswing of this trend of getting back to the body horror. Yeah, kind of thing. and even just working in, I mean, there's nothing I like to see more than women in horror and coming of age stories. So this was kind of perfect for that. What did you think about um, Justine's relationship with her sister? I thought it was really interesting. I mean, you know, having anyone who has siblings can, you know, it's probably been through, you, you go through, you go through some shit with your siblings, you know, you, uh, you evolve, you as people evolve and that relationship evolves as you evolve your yourselves, each of you. Um, and uh, I thought it was really interesting. I know that just thinking about when I went to college, my relationship with my sister changed. Obviously, you know, brother-sister relationship is very different dynamic than sister and sister. But um, I felt that in college is where my I started to really understand my sister. Mm-hmm. This is just giving a little bit of personal connection. And you get the sense that in this movie also, this is maybe the time where it, you get the sense. Okay, so the main character, she is the she's the the, the perfect girl. She She's the, you know... The banner of the family. She's the flagpole of the family, you know. <laughs> and then the other one, she's the you know, she's the uh, the rebel. Yeah, she's the wild child. She's the wild child. So what I love is both of them get a a better understanding of the other one, and to a certain extent, they chain they trade places in a certain in, in, by the end. I think to a certain extent, or maybe not trade places, but they're they've gotten onto more of an equal ground. The two of them. Well, I mean, her older sister is progressively more and more out of control to the point that at the end, <laughs> their fight is right. crazy. <laughs> she, dra- she, almost, she drags her into that. The older sister ba- pulls her into the, re- into the world of the rebel, the outcast, you know, the yeah. troublemaker. It made me think about um, just the whole thing about this teen girl, this overachiever vegetarian like virgin becoming like a cannibal and developing all of these appetites. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... Does that happen because she's growing up and this is something that just sort of sets in with puberty? Or is it something where, like, she tasted 
flesh and now it's just like set her off on course. Well, maybe that's a parallel for just life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a parallel, you know, you, you're sheltered. Um, you haven't partied a whole lot. You haven't been around a whole lot of different people maybe. And all of a sudden you're thrust into, into life. You're thrust into college where you're (laughs) surrounded by all sorts of different people. You have a gay roommate, you know, you have, uh, these crazy, you know, basically anarchist, uh, you know, vet school, um, upperclassmen, you know, you have, um, there's, there's all sorts of, she, she really gets introduced to a lot of different, uh, people probably than she experienced in the past. And it's almost like the cannibalism is sort of, uh, a parallel to her just, um, well, the hazing in the party scenes, like it cannot be understated. Those are really intense. They are, they for, are. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but still like a young teenager. Sure. It's, it's really, it, it, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, you, you go along with those scenes. You feel like you're in the middle of that party. What's I happening? Mean, one time you're like eating vegetarian food with your folks. The next minute you're blackout drunk and your sister's making fun of you with a corpse. Like it's weird. Yeah. That scene was crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't understand exactly why her sister wanted to degrade her so much like that. I think the sister comes off as like a straight out psychopath at points. That scene, that scene almost brought a little over the edge to me because I didn't understand why she would go that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was almost like further than I thought her character would go, but I mean that's just that, that's just me. Um, but uh, but, but Justine, yeah, I don't know. Even as deep as she gets into basically be- becoming a cannibal and everything, I still think she remains so sympathetic and so. She does. She's never. She's never. She never goes sinks quite to the depths of her sister, but she's definitely brought down into that world. She <laughs> maintains a level of grace, though, that her sister just never has. That she... Yeah. What do you think about the whole "it's all in the family" reveal? Like, wow, what a strange. <laughs> Why is that dad so chill? <laughs> I know. I I don't. I I think he's just beaten down. <laughs> I think he's. You know. He, I. I. Th- it seems like early on he made a choice to himself. Do I? Do I go with this or do I just get the fuck out? And evidently he just decided to go with it. And I guess in doing that, he just had to submit completely in every way to what was going on. <laughs> so it's just one really resigned dude and his three cannibal ladies. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. He just, you know, uh, it's what a strange, it's such a strange reveal. It's such a strange um, subplot or really becomes the plot. But yeah, interesting film. I can't wait. Uh, okay, another director. I can't wait to see what she does next. Oh, I had yeah. no preconceived notions about her, of course, because she'd done a short film and co-directed like a TV movie before this. So this is the only. I'm not familiar with any of her other work. No, I, I saw it on IMDb, but I, I didn't look, you know, too much into what she'd done. So um, I'll be really interested to see what she does next. Uh, but yeah, I wonder if Raw is going to help kick off this this cannibal phase. I mean, because cannibal movies are on the rise, as we will. Uh, talk about in our next one as well so i've also like dean still hasn't seen the witch and i'm like all right as soon as i'm able to get raw at home we're gonna do a double feature raw and the witch best coming of age teen ladies <laughs> <laughs> well and you know and also it, it's good to see a horror movie where you've got strong female characters and they're not just being chased all the time either mm-hmm. you know they're not just being attacked necessarily by some evil male character either it's really about their own development and mm-hmm. their and 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 two women the relationship between two women which again we don't see a whole lot in horror films to and that extent fully three-dimensional characters too yep. they're heavily flawed 
I mean, it's debatable whether Justine feels that much guilt over everything that's going down or not, but she's still likable. Right. She she's sympathetic at least at the very least. Sympathetic. Yeah, that's a better. Likable is is questionable, but sympathetic for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's great. You know, we, we need that in horror films. Um, and her sister's bananas, but she's still compelling. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, all, all the characters in this film are compelling. Also is, you know, also sort of the coming of age, the, the, the sexual awakening, mm-hmm. the sexual understanding, you know, she has this little tryst with her roommate. Um, and that was kind of an interesting subplot as well. She's <laughs> yeah. still trying to figure out what her sexuality is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she falls for her roommate, even though from our perspective, we're like, this guy's never, he, he's not interested in her at all. But there's still this just basic human sort of sexuality that burgeoning between them. I think that's kind of a common cannibalism trope. Like you're you're eating people and it also kind of awakens your sexuality. Sure. As is, uh, <laughs> as is brought out to hilarious effect <laughs> in the next film or, or the next uh thing we're going to discuss oh yeah santa clarita diet did you have any other raw thoughts um no i mean overall i wasn't sure what i thought of it when we first finished it i i had to to just kind of digest it and think about it i wasn't sure i loved it right off the bat um but i thought i i I really i took some time i took a few days it's been a week now since we saw it and uh i think it's great i think it's really great i loved it i really loved it and the other thing I was going to say about the tone was even though it wasn't like this kind of um, super viscerally violent experience that I sort of thought it might have been, um, the gore they show is very effective. It's so well done. And the humor is great. It's um, it's not Santa Clarita diet like cheese ball humor, but it's like it's I laughed at a couple points. Oh, yeah. No, there's no I I, I think that's true. Um, I think that. uh it, yeah, just it it has just some great. I don't know. It's one of those films that you you can go back and you'll continue to think about it. Mm-hmm. It's not a film that you're gonna is just gonna drift away from your memory, which a lot probably overall most of the American films we see are just you know this sort of you know you watch it and it's like, it's like fast food. You watch it's it's gone in a second and you forget about it. Well, that is one thing I'd like to say about the Santa Clarita Diet. I had to I went back and I rewatched the finale before we talked about it because I saw it um, when it came out and a yes. lot of those details of had faded for me. Right. I enjoyed it so much while I watched it, but I um, I don't think that's necessarily one that leaves a strong, detailed impact with you. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I think I might have liked it a little bit more. I um, But also, I just finished watching it maybe mm-hmm. four days ago. Oh, I had a lot of fun. I I really... I keep I keep thinking about just uh, just the comedic elements of it. I thought it was great. Uh I loved it. I really, I really loved it. It's not often we get horror comedies. Let's just say that. Yeah, and, and not often they're done well. Usually, it's like scary movie twenty five. You know, it's nonstop uh, punchlines. And I'd say that most of them work for me. All of these like married suburban things, okay. But the ones that sort of subvert everything, and it's all just like, you know what? I'm not following society's rules. I'm a, you know, I'm a cannibal zombie. Right. <laughs> Those are really fun. And we both talked about how we think um, Timothy Oliphant is Joel the husband. He's really fucking funny. I mean, he just, okay, we just discovered a whole other aspect of this actor that <laughs> I didn't know existed. I mean, I, th- I think he's been 
a, I think he's a good actor. Um, I have never seen j- all of Justified. I've only watched a couple of episodes of Justified. I know yeah, that was same. kind of, you know, he he uh, was a producer. He was the leading, you know, lead role. That was really his show. And he's, I've always thought of him as such a very intense, serious actor. I, I didn't think he would do something this ridiculous and slapstick well, and silly. I mean, he does have roots in one of the Scream sequels. I guess, if, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but he's great. He is absolutely hilarious. In fact, all the he and Drew Barrymore play off each other so well. Well, Drew Barrymore delivered exactly what I thought she would. Like she's adorable, but then it's contrasted where she's like non on intestines. Like so that was really fun. She's I, like America's sweetheart she's chewing on intestines. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She does she has fun she obviously sort of plays with that and has a blast sort of messing with that. You know, this is a woman who's in fifty first dates, you know? Yeah. And the wedding singer. I thought it was a very similar appeal to, like, her in an Adam Sandler movie. Yes. Like, adorable, but she's not afraid to be ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love that, you know, that's an, that's a, an actor who can make fun of herself and, and, and kind of poke fun of herself, too. <laughs> I kind of thought that this was, like, a extra zany, campy, and hilarious American psycho satire. Especially, like, when you see them and they're, like, dressed up in their ponchos or whatever, ready to kill that drug dealer. the drug dealer, which was a great scene. Well, here's the thing. The movie has so many great little moments of of, um, actual, like, human understanding between characters. I thought it was really... There's some really nice moments in there Mm -hmm. that aren't just funny, but are... are, uh, I don't know. It's it's really kind of poignant. I'm not sure I would call it... Poignant, but I I think everything it sets out to do, it excels at. I was just thinking about how there's really not a misstep with what they were going for. No. Um, everybody who's cast, I really loved Liv Hewson as their daughter Abby. I think the teenage character is usually just this like, you know, she's annoying, she's in the way of the plot, but this character was she was smart, she's funny, she's like a really lovable teenage delinquent. She is. She adds a lot to the show. I f- I feel that the entire ensemble cast gets really gets a chance to have fun, and everybody is obviously having a lot of fun. I thought that Skylar Gisondo, yes, as, the next door neighbor kid, as Eric. Uh, Eric, is great. He's great. <laughs> He's as awkward as characters I've ever seen, and it works. So well, his self-deprecating humor is the best. I love whenever he's interacting with his super-sexualized mom. <laughs> yes, Mary Elizabeth Ellis. By the way, I've loved her since Sunny. Um, oh yeah, that's Mary- right. She's the waitress. Yep, she's a waitress in Sunny. Married to um, to, to well Charlie, the character on on uh, Sunny. Um, but uh, she's she's great. Um, I thought Richard Chavira as her asshole husband Dan. Um, is Ow. also great. He plays that role <laughs> with such a plum. I mean, he's he's just such like, he, and he knows he's an asshole, and he's just a glorious asshole in the show. Oh, it's, he doesn't give a shit. No, uh, <laughs> Richard T. Jones is as their other cop neighbor, Rick. Also great, and the, the, how these uh, two cop neighbors living on either side of them sort of play <laughs> off each other is is entertaining. Um, yeah, there's just it's it's a really just fun show. I also I really love the episode where they went to the con. Um, and you get Timothy yeah, Oliphant, who's very, you know, he's a real estate guy, very confident. And you get uh, Skylar Gusando as, as the, the very sort of nebbish, nervous um, neighbor's son. And the two of them together, they had some great, great little comedic <laughs> moments. And that, in fact, I like that episode because you also had, again, Liz Houston, Drew Barrymore uh, having their mother and daughter day. I thought it was one of my favorite episodes. I hope there's more Portia de Rossi in season two as like, oh. Dr. Cora Wolf. 
bizarre little cameo and absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she was awesome. I always wish she were in more things. Like, of all the Arrested Development actors, <sighs> I feel like she's kind of been able to do the least afterwards. And I wish she did more because I'm always happy to see her on screen. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she was. She she was. I, I think the perfect. She typified the Bluth family almost perfectly to me. Her character <laughs> in that show. Um, um, oh, I also wanted to know one thing I really liked about the Santa Clarita Diet was that the women are kind of like the strong um, kind of decision making characters. Like after uh, Sheila becomes yep. a zombie, her daughter Abby next to Eric, like they're like the confident ones and. The men of the main cast, anyway, like Joel, the husband, and Eric next door, they're kind of like the. Oh, are we sure about this? Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. It really is a, a female-driven show, and um, it, it it basically flip flops what you normally see on a show like that, mm-hmm. where you have the crazy male characters getting all these hijinks and the very understanding wife. <laughs> Yeah. And Timothy Oliphant is the very understanding wife on Santa Clarita he Diet. He is the most understanding spouse ever. Like, he gets on board with her new life so fast. Real quick. <laughs> and there are many moments where he can just run that you think probably 90% of people would probably just <laughs> get the hell out. But no, he's committed. He's committed. I mean, they've been dating since high school. Oh, that's right. They're high school sweethearts. I mean, they are high school sweethearts. I mean, they, they're they in it for the long haul. So you get the sense that it would have to be something uh, crazy. I also did like the scene where she's like, how how would you kill me? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she won't like it. Because if you're Timothy Oliphant, you should know, don't answer that question. There's no right answer. There's no right answer. Every answer is wrong. You will hear about it over and over and over. You'll never live it down in true to true to form. Uh, that's what happens. That's a great scene. That's that's kind of. I feel like that's a uh, a universal scene that anyway you know, we've all been through at some point on one side or the other. Um. Yeah, I liked the Loki gag. I thought that was pretty funny. Just, yep. Yeah. Gangster to musician. And what did you think about the ending? We're running a little long this episode. We are. We had a lot to talk about. You know. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I thought it was fine. I mean, it did. I thought it was effective. It made me want to see what comes next. They're both locked up, basically. Yeah, so he's being carted off to a psych ward. She's chained up, but then she's on the phone and she's like, one of us will be available, eyebrow race. <laughs> I know. I feel like they just threw that in to be like, okay, yeah, here's a teaser. We'll just throw that in there. Uh, but no, I mean, it definitely, yeah, it made me want to see the rest of the show. I will say that. Oh, yeah, I totally will. And those episodes are short and they move fast. I binged mm-hmm. the whole thing when it came out. Yeah, so that's on, um, so so I, we didn't mention before, Raw is on a limited run in theaters. I'm mm-hmm. sure very soon it'll be on Amazon. Cause you know, like for example, uh, the void, which we'll discuss soon there's there. Uh, it's also available on Amazon while in theaters. Um, I don't know if they're doing that with raw. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, and then, uh, and San Clarita diet of course is on Netflix. So, uh, you can find that on there. I think get out and raw. If you didn't get a chance to see them in theaters, you might've missed your window by the time this comes out um, you should still watch them at home and don't get mad at us for talking about spoilers of those films um you can get a little bit mad at us at rob we there's a lot we didn't give away trust me there's a lot that goes on that we didn't talk about but get out you 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 really should have seen it by now um but uh we can also put something in the show title like warning all the spoilers we will we will so if you're hearing this it's too late (laughs) (laughs) um so uh so yeah, I guess that's. Uh, I think that's our episode for uh, this week. I think. Oh, do we want to talk about what we're going to do next time? Well, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, we're we've talked about a couple of things, uh, but uh, yeah, you, you do that. We're finally coming up 
in May to another Friday the 13th, and I think it's time to revisit the entire franchise. It is. So, you know, we talked about this in our, our first episode uh, that um, you know, we were disappointed, of course, that Friday the 13th has been shelved for this year, mm-hmm. the next film. Even though I don't have high expectations, it's still a Friday the 13th film. So, <laughs> but I think uh, I, yep, I completely agree with you. It's a great time to do Friday the 13th. And recently, uh, let's see, about two months ago, I was sick for a week. And I was just feeling like total crap. And I sat down and I went back to some of my favorite, favorite Fridays. So they're fresh in my mind. Because every once in a while when, I, when I'm feeling really bad, I want someone to pick me up, I'll either put on Community, The Office, or some Friday the 13th. Basically. Oh, that's very similar to me. I also like to go to either The Office or maybe Slumber Party Massacre 1 or 2. <laughs> there you go. See, that's why we work together, Steph, on this stuff. That's the, that's why we are podcast hosts on the show. So, um, so yeah, we'll, so we're going to do a Friday 13th, uh, you know, kind of retrospective. Mm-hmm. And um, I know... We have I, our first guest. Yes, we are. Our good friend and fellow film buff, uh, Kate Hernandez will be uh, hanging out with us and talking a little bit about uh, Friday the 13th. And Kate is a hoot, man. She's a character. I know. We haven't officially scheduled anything, but we've we've asked and we're hopeful. <laughs> right. We feel pretty good about it. And um, you're going to get a, a real kick out of Kate. Like I said, she is a, she's, she's a spitfire, that girl. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. So, uh, so, yeah, episode four. Yep. I think, I think we're in the books. Uh, again, thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us on, as always... Uh, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, and I think right now that's where we are. Instagram. And Instagram, that's right. Yep. So there you go. The big four. That's where <laughs> that's where we're at. Uh, I'm pretty lazy about the Instagram, but um, you know, if you're like a horror buff, I'll follow you back. You know. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, we appreciate you for listening. Um, again, if you ever have any feedback, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to talk about, just let us know. We like to talk about things. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, and we will see you next time. Bye.